Hello and welcome to the All Blacks edition. Owen Franks, 108 caps with the All Blacks, 150 caps with the Crusaders. He is not going to the Rugby World Cup. Yes, Hansen has announced who his squad is for the Rugby World Cup. And that is basically what we're going to be talking about tonight. The squad, the squad and more of the squad. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, your best place for any predictions and opinion. And joining me to go through the squad, the squad and more of the squad um, is the real Mike Paulman. How are you doing, sir? You said squad about tw- 10 times in that in that sentence. Good, good to be here, Paul, and uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into the squad. And, uh, yes, John o- and John O'Connor, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you, boys, and I'm squad, 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 squad. <laughs> now, one thing we must say first off is congratulations to the All Blacks for managing to put out the squad in a format that we can read. Unlike the um, the Springboks, who managed to put out the squad in some sort of picture with them with the names vertically and back to front, apparently this was some sort of uh, this was apparently was a, a homage to the way that Japanese write uh, Japanese writing, but it made it absolutely impossible for anybody not to uh, <laughs> to, to understand who who was in that uh, in that Springbok squad. But Michael, I know you were watching the presentation uh, of the. By uh, on on Spark Sport, pretty um, well done. I mean, yeah, nicely done by the Spark Sport, or, or pretty clear as to what's uh, as to who was there and who wasn't. Yeah, it was a um, a really good um, production. I was um, exceeded my expectations. Actually, I thought Scotty and the crew did really well, and the uh, quality was was really decent for me anyway. So, um, and, and yeah, the obviously the All Black squad are um, full of surprises. So I'm sure we'll. Talk about that as we go on. So I'm going to propose that we go from basically front to back. So we'll go to the props and, and make our way through. But before we do that, John, any kind of overall uh, sort of messages or themes you can see in the squad that uh, from, from Hanson? I, I think um, I think what's what's happened here in this in in the squad is that there's there's been a shift towards mobility in the tight five. Yep. And and I think the importance of Brody Rotelic is what's very clear in the squad. Absolutely. That's that, that, that is one of the big big talking points. Uh, Michael, any other themes across the, the the squad for you? Oh, I think I think very logical decisions um, for for the most part. Um, very gutsy decisions as well by the selectors, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the omissions in the, in the team, but um, uh, it's sort of initially I was surprised, but um, you know, the more I think about it, the the more logical it seems to me anyway. So, yeah, really stoked actually. I suppose the other thing is, I think this is possibly the least experienced in in terms of caps. All black squad that I've that I've seen go to Rugby World Cup uh, as, as as well. Last time around we had like Neymar and Scudder with just one cap, Nahola who was relatively new. This time around we got like five or six players with 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 less than five caps. So I guess that's another theme here is yeah, it's it's, it's come together quite late in the World Cup cycle compared to previous years, and we're seeing that in a few countries. I mean, um, Springbok for the same thing, England as well. Their second choice scrum half has got like two caps now. And there's a question, he might be the first choice one. So quite a few teams seem to be coming together at the last minute, which is a difference. And I guess it's part of why it's much more competitive than it has been previously. 100%. So starting at the top with the um, with the props, Joe Moody, Angus Ta'avo, uh, Atu Molly, uh, Nipo Luwalala and Offa Twangafasi are in there. The, the big missing name is that one I mentioned in the intro, it's that's uh, uh, it, Owen Franks, 100, 100 plus uh, caps. Is this the first time a 100 plus cap all black hasn't been picked and has been sort of dropped? Michael? Yeah, I, I think, um, you, you know, as, as John said at the start, I, I think this is purely about mobility. I don't think it's a, a reflection on. on his form or anything, Owen Franks. Um, you know, there's no doubt that a month ago we we would have all said 
has five places to lock in for the World Cup. Um, you know, he's had injuries this year. He's had a mediocre Super Rugby season. Um, and obviously he played pretty poorly in that in that All Blacks game in Perth. But guess what? The whole team played poorly that night. Um, I, you, you know, this one has been a real tough decision. And, and I'm not... I'm not convinced about it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people talking about uh, Lau Mappi and Squire being shafted. Well, I, I think really the, the toughest decision in this whole team was to leave Owen Franks out. Because of his experience, you, you know, over 100 test caps, as you mentioned, two World Cups, you, you know, you kind of need that in, in, match, in big matches. And, and it's going to be, you know, every chance he might be, be coming back and if there's an injury, but um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gutted for him, but I understand why they made that decision. John, you comfortable with that one? Or or, or, or is uh, that experience that's been left behind a, a big loss for the All Blacks? Well, the first thing I'd like to draw attention to, and it's, it's, it's a major achievement, is how you made your way through the pronunciation of those names, Paul. <laughs> Right, for a pomp, as yourself, right, to make your way through Atumoli, uh, Lao Lala, um, just do, do it again for us, mate. It's it was very impressive. <laughs> so yes, uh, the, Ang- Angus to Avo, um, <laughs> uh, Alumoli Niapo Lulala. There you go. That's an offer to Angafasi. Uh, that that see offer. I'm quite good. And Joe Moody is a very good one. I'm very. I'm very impressed. I mean, that's really why you you are you are weeping and wailing that you're not going to get to be able to say Owen Franks, right? Which is just meat and drink for a pom, right? Well, there is no doubt um, that there is a common thread through World Cup winning squads over the history of the of the tournament that World Cup winning squads are experienced. Mm-hmm. And in losing Owen Franks, you lose 108 caps. So it's not only the player, but it's the the IP, the intellectual property. It's the investment of all these years of play and the development of that player that you lose. So I think it was a very difficult decision that obviously wasn't taken lightly. One of the things that that really irritates me about coverage of of rugby, and I think we've discussed this on some of your previous uh, podcasts, uh, is we don't get access to in-depth analysis like some of the other sports, especially American sports. So we don't see the stats. So obviously, and I, I'm sure that the All Black team has them, they have looked at some of the stats over the course of the season and possibly into last season in the test matches of how many rucks he's hitting, uh, how many tackles he's making, how many tackles he's missing, his contribution, and uh, comparing that to the other props. And they've got stats around the the scrumming, et cetera, et cetera. And there must be an indicator there in a drop-off in performance. And as such, when they looked at the props, and remember also part of the situation is created by they have to take at least at least in their estimation one prop that can move from one side to the other as a backup right so um, and that also begs the whole another line of, of question which is why does it have to be 31 it's a multi billion dollar tournament why do you have to take 31 you know and and this happens every world cup we have this we can only take 31. Why? Why can it not be 35? Right? It just, why can you? Anyway, but be that as it may, um, he's got squeezed out by the fact that he's very much a specialist tight head and doesn't have that flexibility. So, yeah, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a big call, uh, but they must have some basis in analysis around why that decision has been made. I agreed, and on, on that point about the guys who who move over, I mean that's Offa Tuangafasi. Uh, he's played both sides of the of the scrum for the Blues, 
uh, and, and he's that guy who can go both sides and, is, and that's I think why he's uh, oh yeah that, that would be an extra string to his bow uh, in, in this kind of selection yes. Uh, I think off. And that's what cost, that's what's cost Lomapi, really. Yeah. 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 I to, I totally agree. I think it's also the the flexible nature that the All Blacks want to play. I I wonder how you know. Obviously, they're going to put a lot of emphasis on the scrums, but how much of that is going to be a part of their you know idealistic winning game plan? Um, you know, they want players who can detach quickly, who can run around the park, who can handle the ball around the park, and and, and adjust to, to counter-attack. So, um, from, from that that standpoint alone, it, it makes sense, but what worries me is, um, you know, Toronto Fussy, I think he's good, but Moli and Ta'avel, uh, and, and to a certain extent, Alala, I mean, when, let's just say a World Cup semi-final, when, when the scrum's going backwards, Let's just say, well, these guys are fit. How are they going to adjust? Experience counts for a lot in those situations. And um, that, that's why I say, you know, this would have been the, the toughest decision in the squad by far. But I think it's the right decision based yeah, think, on the way that we're playing. Now, if you look at the spreadsheet that, I'm showing, that I've got on, on, on screen for those people watching, uh, the players in bold are those that were involved in the All Blacks last year. And the ones who aren't involved, ones that weren't involved. So Atu Molly, um, for example, was injured last year, and that's why he wasn't involved. And I think that's one of the points they made early on was the fact that whenever he's been fit, they've wanted him in the squad. Uh, I think the same was with with, with Angus. Uh, and I do think that injuries, particularly around those those, those, those in those props positions, has uh, changed and altered the plan for the All Blacks heading into this year. Because we've lost we lost a lot of props last year and that's why we saw players like Carl Twangafasi come from nowhere uh, and uh, into the All Blacks setup. So, uh, I, yeah, perhaps Franks has had a bit of a charmed life to get this far because he didn't get injured in, in, in last season, has been around for the games. Uh, so maybe that's part of it. And that, yeah, because I, I, I have seen some comments on or, or over the last few days, some comments on the Silver Fern forum saying that there were yeah, that there'd been talk already that, that Frank's was it was perhaps one year too long for him, and he was slowing down. Uh, and and um, I think yeah, age has just caught up with him, which I think has been the problem. Well, you see, there's there's this issue. Sorry, did I interrupt you there, mate? No, no. Go for it. Go for it. No, no. Perfect. Um, I, I think there's this this strange alchemy uh, between when it comes to the World Cups where the winning teams both have tremendous experience but they also have an injection of youthful enthusiasm right and you can see that across all the winning squads so 2015 they had Scudder how many test tests did he have when he went into that tournament one two some yeah but he was but he was outstanding, right? There's just an example. 2011, um, I wait, I had it. 2011. Um, it's, I mean, Israel Dag came through then, I think, wasn't it? Israel Dag. There um, we go. Israel Dag. And I should remember that because I was in Port Elizabeth um, when he played um, just so tremendously. Um, and I thought to myself, this could be the next Christian Cullen. And maybe he could have been if he didn't have these repeating leg injuries, right? Um, and uh, I was at that game in Port Elizabeth. We played so tremendously in the lead-up to that 2011 World Cup. In 07, uh, Francois Stein was 19, right? And uh, Brian Habana had made his debut the previous November in the end of your tour. Interestingly enough, Jake White used to always say one uh, season does not a Springbok make, right? He said you have to prove yourself over time. He made two exceptions over his four years as coach to that thing, that one successful season of Super Rugby doesn't make you a Springbok. The only two exceptions he ever made to that were Brian Habana and Francois Stein, right? Uh, so there's the youthful enthusiasm. Oh, three, you had, well, you should help me out here, right? The... the um, the league convert to fullback, 
Oh, so you're J- Jason Robinson. Jason Robinson. There we go. Right? Yeah, Jason Robinson. In 99, you had um, George Smith, right? Um, and you had the young Stephen Larkham, right? In 95, uh, you had, well, there was a whole, there was a whole host of, of, of new players that were coming through at that particular stage, right? Um, uh, in 91, you would have to say it was the centers. It was Bunce and Little. They were both 19 or 20. And in 87, the obvious example would be um, the hooker. And again, I can see his smoking face right in front of me. Um, Fitzpatrick, Sean Fitzpatrick. So you've spoken like a South African. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Fitzpatrick smirked. Um, yeah, so in all of them, you would see, and, and of course, um, the Iceman, right, in 87. Yep. Right? So, um, it, Michael Jones, right? So you have, you, have, uh, you have this injection of youthful enthusiasm and verve and excitement in amongst a, a settled squad, right? And I think some of these props bring an impact, a, a significantly off the bench as well that maybe has been lacking in some of the the last tests over the last year when it comes to injecting athleticism off the bench yep the uh, yeah it's and, and there's been yeah talk talk about in kahui was the other person that's been mentioned as well um was, was another person that came in late into these sort of Very squads good. Um, in in the in the chat, so yes, there are yeah there are lots. You say you need that. It, it's it, it's that that getting that right chemistry of the um, right. of, of of the two. I think we've and yeah, so we're happy with with who they've brought in on the actual in the, in the props piece. Um, just looking at time, he's move on. And hookers, I mean, this this was pretty easy, pretty well signposted. We knew what it was going to be, wasn't it? Cody Taylor, Dane Coles, Liam Coleman, uh, a. A few people saying Nathan Harris a bit unlucky, but I think from the moment he wasn't in the original squad, we knew that those were, yeah. those were the three that were going to go. Yeah. Let me ask you yeah. a question, gentlemen. World Cup finals on Saturday. Who starts at hooker? <laughs> uh, Dane Coles. I think Dane Coles does, but I would start Taylor and have Dane Coles as that impact off the bench. I have to go with Paul. Sorry, mate. I just, I think Cody Taylor is vastly underrated. I think, we, you know, we've talked about that on the show in, in previous weeks. I mean, they both offer, you can sort of go either way of it mm. because they both offer that that um, that impact off the bench. So, um, but, you know, Nathan Harris injured, obviously, now. So just had surgery yesterday. So, um, yeah, pretty, probably the easiest area of the squad, really. It was, and we've got plenty of talking points. So I'm going to move straight on from there with those ones. Locks, Brody Italic, Sam Whitelock, Scott Barrett, Patrick Topolotu. Um, the uh, lots of comments in the chat that Patrick Topolotu is 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 peaking, is, is looking the best he's ever have done. Apparently, he's changed his nutrition to improve his, his fitness uh, and pieces. Uh, and yeah, he, he came off and, and had a great game at the weekend. We've been talking with Ashwin. The problem with Patrick is we've seen him have great games. What we don't see him do is put great games back to back, and that's what we're waiting to see whether Patrick put to, Patrick can do. I think. Hundred percent, and I mean, if there's any, he's had so many chances already, and um, you know, he's going to have to do something for me against Tonga and, and back up that performance that he had at Eden Park. Because, um, yeah, a bit of a surprise for me. Um, in some ways, I'm not not so comfortable with that, but I mean. You know, Jackson Hibber probably missing out as well. So, uh, I, I don't know. I think your obviously your starters would probably be Tui Pilotu and um, and Whitelock, perhaps. Oh, 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 for Tonga, maybe. But I think going forward, so yeah, Patrick's clearly fourth choice here. Um, but, John, carrying a player into the tournament that's not going to play in the group stages is only expected to come back for the knockouts. Um, you mentioned it kind of in the in the intro. That's a massive call with Brody Retallick, isn't it? To, 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 you've only got 31 places and you're only really taking 30 players for half the tournament. 
you do that for for the very special. When mm-hmm. you've only got 31 and you're going to woke up, you do that for the very, very special. Right? And um, and that's what Retallic is. Because Retallic not only is outstanding in the core functions of a lock, but he also provides another set of hands to take the ball up in the midfield. So he can both truck it up with force, like Etzebeth, and he can shift it gently onwards, just with those delicate hands, right? Um, so he provides so much extra, there's so many extra options that become available to the attacking game plan, as well as being somebody who can combat the, and fight for all the fact that he's so tall. He can fight for the ball on the ground as well. Um, there's just so much that extra that he adds. So that's why they're prepared to take that chance, right? And um, you do that for somebody who's a former World Rugby Player of the Year and multiple World Rugby Player of the Year nominee. That's mm. that's the chance that you take. Absolutely. it's There are very few other players in the squad that they would have done that for. Uh, he, there's, there's maybe himself, maybe Kieran Reid, maybe... Uh, Bowden Barrett, uh, there's probably only about four, three or four they would do it for, um, but he is definitely exactly. up there with, with, with that. Um, and yeah, in the chat, yeah, Vitalik has been the top five player in the game since 2015. Yeah, he is. When he plays well, the Chiefs play well. Now, at the, the All Blacks level, there are other good players, so it's not all down to him, but he, he is the kind of guy, kind of player who can yeah, make a team look good. Um, Michael, though the you mentioned Jackson Hemapo, unlucky to miss out there. Uh, they've gone for the out and out lock in in Patrick Turpilotu, whereas Jackson is more a six is more a uh, can also be a six. Um, I, I guess a bit you're a bit surprised that Luke Jacobson got that final slot and not a not a Hemapo or a Fafita. No, not at all. I think Luke Jacobson is the the long term prospect here. Um, no, I just think they they wanted that 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 sort of certainty. I think that in terms of position that Tui Pilatu provides, and, and I mean, um, you, you're right though. I mean, Hemapo, Fazel, etc. I'm sure I'm missing another name. All very unlucky to miss out. You know, I mean, a few weeks ago we were, you know, debating about Fazel Hemapo, Fafita, you know, and none of them are in this team, and I think rightly so. Um, but, but that there's something about Luke Jacobson. I'm not just saying that because he's a Chiefs man. Um, you know, he's a very, very smart dude, former under twenty um, captain, obviously. And, and I think um, he, he's the he's the long term, and and they were going to do everything they could to to get him um, in, into the squad. And, and I think you know with with Fafita, um, there's still a bit off the park um, in terms of attitude that they they're not so sure about. Um, you know, he's improving, but they ultimately had to make a decision and um, you know, with a guy like Luke Jacobson there was always going to be a bolter in the squad and I think um, he, looking at, at the squad, you know, he's probably the one that really stands out as um, 2019's bolter. Yeah, last Thursday I had the opportunity to interview him and I said, ah oh, no, don't worry, he's getting hassled by other people. I'll interview him later in the season with the uh, with, with Waikato because uh, he won't make the he won't, he won't make the squad. He'll be around. I'll be able to interview him later. Oops, um, <laughs> I, I clearly got that. Um, um, Jacobson is okay. So press record now. <laughs> Jacobson is very, very special, right? And depending on his desire, and I don't know the man, right? But depending on his desire and his how how much he wants to be great, yeah, that is the potential all black great that you're looking at there. I'm talking about somebody very very special that you that could be coming through when it comes to Jacobson. He is exactly in he is in the squad for the reasons that Liam Squire should have been in the squad. 
no doubt. Now it's going to be. It's interesting talking of Liam Squire, uh, also Jackson Hemapo and um, Owen Franks, three players who are going overseas after the Rugby World Cup. Now, one of the questions to Steve Hansen was, do you have an injury reserve list? And he said, no, we don't. Our injury reserve list is everyone who is playing Mitre 10 Cup. So if these players, and now with uh, with Jack Samapo, with, um, I've gone blank, Liam Squire, they're both going to Japan. So their season doesn't start till next year. Owen Franks, however, is going to, to England to play for Northampton Saints. They would like him as soon as possible. Let's be honest. And their season starts soon. So the question, I guess, it's going to be interesting to see whether he sticks around and plays Mice 10 Cup so he's on the injury reserve list or whether he heads over to the UK and basically rules himself out as an injury reserve. So it's going to be interesting to see which these players do and don't uh, make, uh, make themselves available for the Mice 10 Cup. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a very because, tough one, yeah, because you say yeah, because you, you might not be needed. Let's be honest here. Steve Hansen has a reputation uh, when it comes to the younger players of um, of taking it personally when somebody commits to play overseas and that affecting their availability. Well, let's put it this way. That's, that affecting their selection, right, when they commit to go overseas. Um, not so much some of the older players, and you wouldn't, you would hope that isn't what has affected Owen Frank's availability. I mean, he has committed himself through and through to the All Blacks cause over a long period of time, and he kind of made it clear that that was the end. This was the the last hurrah, right? So you would hope it didn't affect Owen Frank's selection, but certainly that may have affected around Liam Squire. And Jackson Himmelpool. I mean, I, if if the All Blacks were playing the Springboks on Saturday, I absolutely would want Liam Squire to start. Right? I would start Liam Squire. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's a it's an interesting conundrum. But we also let's be fair. We also don't know what these personal circumstances are that have, have what has been unfolding in Liam Squire's life. I have a lot of respect for the All Blacks in that none of this has leaked out. Whatever it is that Liam Squire has been going through has leaked out. Now, we've all um, experienced how our personal lives can affect our working lives. And uh, we've all experienced people at work whose performance have been affected because they're going through a bereavement, a parent, uh, they're going through a divorce, stuff is happening and it's affected their performance. And credit to Liam Squire that he pulled the pin um, and said, I'm, I'm not in a, a fit state to play rugby at the very highest level. So I have a great deal of respect for him and, and the respect that he showed towards his teammates, that he didn't pitch up when he thought he would be at his sharpest, right? And just take the money and run. Yeah, and I think uh, he's so, done, but I think he's, he's, he's. So we don't know what's been happening. There. We don't know so what's maybe been happening. There's stuff that then. He, his, his comeback was delayed to the Highlanders by for personal reasons, um, and let's was he had very little game time before yes. the rugby championship. So getting that extra game time, the extra three games plus the preseason with Tasman, um, yes. I think has been has has means he's now in a much better place, at least playing wise, um, and it sounds like mentally that he's. He's there or thereabouts because they're saying he's available for for injury, but they decide, but they mutually agreed not to put him on the aeroplane. Uh, so that was that was kind of an interesting comment by Steve Hansen. He, oh, and he just say he refused to say what was the what was said in that conversation, and quite rightly too. Um, yes, yeah, good for him. And I would of all the players that are on the injury reserve, the one that I'm most expecting to see make his way to Japan is Liam Squire. So when Brody Retallick passes muster, if the next person to be injured was a lock, I would expect Liam Squire to make to be on the play. <clears throat> That's a big call. Um, so a, a, a fun story in the chat that um, apparently Liam Squire played a game of uh, was it peak and pit uh, with in, with someone who was in the chat, and he says his pit or his his lower of each day was um, was the training that. Uh, the Hanson put them through because it was so hard. Um, 
Um, so I, I, mean, I, I expect him to stick around uh, and play out the season with Tasman and be available for, for, for selection there. Um, other players, I guess the, the other talking point around the, around the, this area, so in the back row we've got Reed, Sevilla, Kane, Todd and Jacobson. We have an eight, three sevens and a six. Doesn't the, the balance doesn't feel very doesn't feel right to me? I'm a bit concerned taking three sevens in there. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a, a comment on. How they do the three sevens. Um, so Ardi Surveyor, Sam Kane, Matt Todd. Hey, Ardi Surveyor is not a seven. He's not a seven. He's not a seven. <laughs> he might play seven for the Hurricanes. He's not a seven. He's not a New Zealand seven. Right, so he's two sevens. And he is, he's been taken as a six. Yep. There we go. I've been, I've been, I've been told. I've been lessened. Um, yes. Put your <laughs> hand out. I can smack it properly. Where's the camera? Here we go. And, and he's taken as a, as a backup eight as well. Because I think that's where he'll play for the All Blacks in the next four-year cycle. Yes. I think Ardi Sevier will be playing at eight. But definitely for this World Cup, he's going as a six. Just is, on, on Liam Squire, there's an old saying: if you're a dickhead, you, you don't you don't get a shot. Um, you know, whatever's going on with this guy. Okay, I'm I'm not available to play. Then I am available to play. Then I'm not sure if I want to play. I mean, people are committing for making the right decision. I okay. I I don't think this is. I think this. Okay. I think this. Personally, I think this is the opposite of a dickhead decision. I think what he's done is he said, "Look, had a chance with Anson, and he's gone and said, look, 'Look, I've only had like three games of Super Rugby. I'm not ready to play international rugby. If I do, um, there's a good. I will not play my best. I will not play as well as I should do for the team. I need more game time. That's what I think the conversation uh, has been. And I think that's a. I, I think that's a non-dickhead conversation. Personally. I think Hanson literally said to him, you know, you've pissed us around for too long. We're not taking you. And I don't think we'll see him in Japan, even if there is an injury. I mean, there's more There's more to the story, honestly. Like, I can't wait for it to come out. Look, there's two ways that the story can fall. It's like a, a coin that's spinning. And it could fall on the side of mm. there being... Um, something untoward, right? And that that's that's the one way of looking. Or it could fall on the side of the guy's got a gen- has been through something quite genuinely serious. And clearly, the All Blacks know which one it is, right? Mm. Um, and uh, let's just say, I I respect the fact that it hasn't come up because it means there's there's no loose lips which, of course, uh, can sink ships and certainly can affect the morale of a squad. If somebody shares something personal and gets into the public space, then uh, that can really affect the sense of trust of your, of your leadership and your management, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's, let's see how it unfolds from here. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, obviously, diff- differing opinions there as to where Liam Squire kind of sits and whether he'll go or not. I, yeah, I, I think there's a good chance he'll end up there as, as an injury replacement. Um, we'll, we'll, okay, so we'll, we will see how that all pans out. Um, final thing, I guess, also... The question is, though, how he, how he handles that, you know, how he, how he handles that, that moment. I mean, if he's got, you, you know, some issues going on, I mean... Do you do you want to have him in, in that squad? You it, know? it comes down to what those issues are, and yeah, and what what state are they in currently? I, we're we're, saying, we're not privy to book. that, so we can't really comment. Wait for the book. Somebody's <laughs> going to write a book at some stage, and um, and it'll be in there. Yeah. I guess the other points to point out here is that Luke Jacobson went into this squad behind um, yeah. Dalton Papilihi, Viper Fita. Uh, and Shannon Frizzell. Uh, um, it was very clear, Hanson was very clear to say he was sixth choice six um, going into this. The fact that he's now on the plane just shows what amazing work he's done in training predominantly because he's not had much opportunity on the pitch in games. So yeah, well done to the boy. Exactly. 
Um, <coughs> around Scrum Half, Aaron Smith, TJ Perinara, um, Brad Weber. Um, as expected, I don't think there's much to say here apart from the fact that Brad Weber really hasn't had the game time he deserves. Uh, yep. And that I would have liked to have seen him had more game time going into, into the Rugby World Cup. Bar that, I'm not sure there's anything else to say in this space, really, is there, John? Anything else? No, no? it's pretty straightforward. Um, Ten, then. Bowden Barrett, Richard Mwanga, um, which we expected. I guess the talking point here isn't so much who's in there, but what he mentioned around the match day. So someone asked him, what's your match day 10 cover? Do you have it in the squad? And he said, yes, we've got Geordie Barrett. Ryan Crotley has played 10 before. Um, TG Pirinara can do. Um, and also Ben Smith is such a clever footballer, he can play anywhere. Um, Michael? <laughs> so the answer is no. The answer is no, they, they don't have the cover. Um, but, you know, again, you can only take 31 players. And who else was there? There was, um, you know, there was Joshuani and um, having a good authority that Jack Debrasini won't even be here next year. So, hey, you know, you got to – you can only take so many players. So I, I personally, I, the idea of seeing Connie or – Ben Smith at 10 is uh, I think I've got a better chance of getting up and walking to the dairy tomorrow to be honest <laughs> I can't see them starting at 10 but I can see them if you if you go into one of the uh, the kind of playing not Namibia but playing um, oh, who is it Take, oh, I've forgotten who it is that you've, that's, in, that's in the squad um, I love it <laughs> um, but playing one of the lesser teams uh, and then you could have basically either either Bowden Barrett or Rich Moore in the match day twenty three and rest the other person, uh, and then if they get injured, then you've got cover in in that kind of sense. But um, yeah, not starting. I totally agree. The- uh, I'm, I'm, this is where we're going to lose all our Crusaders. Um, we're going to lose all our Crusaders listeners at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I have some serious concerns about Moana. Right, I really do. I read a, an article written with that sort of breezy, uh, sort of confidence that sometimes journalists have. And it, I can't remember which which paper or which website it was on recently. But a New Zealand writer who said something, something that Moang is playing. He's been the best. Uh, first five in in Super Rugby for two seasons, so it's absolutely right that he's there. And, and just the bit, and he just said it like matter of factly. And I have some serious concerns around that statement. And the primary thing that concerns me is that for two seasons, three seasons, however many seasons he's been playing, Moanga, he's been uh, in Super Rugby. He's been playing behind the best pack in the tournament. Right. It's very easy for a good fly half to look great when his forwards are dominant. It's a completely different story when you are on the back foot. Right. Um, even Nas Buerta, who was, you know, almost godlike for a time in South Africa, would constantly give credit to his forwards and say it all starts in the forwards, right? And I look good because they are good. And when you've got the dominant pack for multiple seasons, it's easy to cut a swathe. It's easy to be constantly be running onto the ball. It's easy to be dictating the play. So Bowden Barrett has been playing for the last two seasons behind a pack that is not dominant by any means and has been bested by many of the packs in Super Rugby. And so for him, he's been fighting, you know, at times he's been running for his life uh, at the back there, right? So the one match that stood out for me this season was when the Sharks pack climbed into the Crusaders pack in Christchurch and really dealt to them physically. And Moanga didn't look anything like the calm, composed general that he has in other games. And my concern is that if all the eggs are being placed in the Moanga basket, 
what happens if the All Blacks get dealt to in the forwards? Who's going to direct the ship? You know, are they going to yank him and put Bowden Barrett in there? Um, yeah, I, I have some serious concerns. I, I totally agree, and I think that that's the reason why you're seeing um, Barrett play so much first receiver, even when he is starting at, at 15. Um, you know, and the the match at Eden Park, whilst Moanga was improved from, from Perth, a lot of that was down to Bowden Barrett. Um, you know, put in the likes of George Bridge into space, etc. Um, yeah, and but I, I guess as long as Barrett's on the field, um, and, and you get into trouble when you kind of single out players, but as long as Barrett's on that field to come in when it's going wrong and play that first receiver role, I think, I think we'll be all right. But yeah, totally understand what you're saying because there's a massive difference between doing this. Super rugby level, um, and, and a and a side honestly that's just steamrolled over Super rugby the last two three years, um, continues doing it at this level at the World Cup. You know when did he start for the All Blacks first time last year? Maybe he, he made his debut. Very untested at this level, but who else do they have? Di Bassini? I don't think so. No, no, that you know for me. But I think this die was cast when they, a few seasons ago, started going with this dual playmaker role when they were playing... Um, Dave McKenzie. Help me out. McKenzie, right? And so they had McKenzie as, as another playmaker. But for me, I would be far more comfortable seeing Ben Smith at fullback and Barrett starting at 10. Right, and I think there would be a, a sense of comfort there. But this decision to go to to slide the chips across the table towards Moanga um, is the reason why I think Nani Laomapi hasn't made it because they want a leader with experience and ability to coordinate, especially on defense, outside of him. And they've got that in Sonny Bull, but if anything happens to Sonny Bull, they've got that in Ryan Crotty. Yes, and... It's interesting. Uh, it's, it's, I think we, we all knew that if Crotty, Sonny Bill Williams, Jack Goodhue, and Anthony Brown were fit, they were the four, um, and that Lamappe would. Um, it was definitely fifth choice there. I guess the, 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 what, what we've seen here is that Crotty must be approaching playing again. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, the, the comments in the chat that yeah about Crotty you know, with his head injuries, yes. I definitely worry about those. Um, he's not the only player in this squad that I worry about with with, with head injuries. Uh, from but um, uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, if he's if he's fit, then he's going to be there. Uh, and because of, yeah, because of his organisational skills, as you as you um, as you say, uh, yeah, there was a tweet today that said that Lamappi is yeah one of the quietest players uh, in in the back line. When, when if you watch him play, he doesn't talk much, doesn't shout much. He doesn't lead the team. He isn't a leader. He's a wonderful player. I, I love how he plays, mm. but um, but as but his leadership just isn't there, as you say, and that's why. Yeah, and, and you, you've nailed it on the head as to why he's missed out uh, in in in, in mm. the role. And um, you know, to give some some credit to my work colleague, um, who. Um, who is a former rep player uh, playing for and for both uh, Wellington and Hawke's Bay, as well as uh, so this this is um, this is Sean Waru who played for the ladies teams of Wellington and in the provincial tournament for Wellington and Hawke's Bay, as well as um, for some overseas uh, lesser sort of second tier um, countries uh, in that Spain and Australia. Um, they, there was a joke there, gentlemen, and neither of you caught it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, they... I was just pointing out oh, Australia. Let's listen. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. Come on, stick with me, boys. <laughs> anyway, um, and she was talking about how gutted she was for La Marpe, but the the issue with La Marpe is is his lack of of uh, versatility. 
Mm. Right? Angel. So the so fact the that you can shift the outside center is is another thing that he has. Yep. Two yeah, one-dimensional. Yep. Yeah. The absolutely. We've suddenly got an, uh, an awful uh, echo going on, unfortunately. Um, the as I say, the it's yeah. He he, he is he is a twelve through and through. Um, you'd say something. You wouldn't, wouldn't really want Sonny Bill Williams playing at thirteen either. But he has played on the wing for the All Blacks before, um, mm-hmm. as, as 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 well. I, there's, I think, a lot of people seeing quite a lot of similarities between Lamapi and uh, and Marnonu early in his career. He could he could develop in the way Marnonu did, develop his kicking game, develop all his other parts. Uh, so I think he is definitely um, somebody who, uh, who 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 could be who could grow into that role really 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 well. Um, there's yeah comments. Crossy was great. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying Crossy is a great player by any stretch, but his organisational skills, his leadership skills, the talking he does is important um, as much as his actual running skills. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure there's anything else. Yeah, that's we, we've, we've known what the centre situation is. We don't necessarily know which ones will start and what, what really is that favourite combination uh, because I think you can play pretty much any of those four in any you can pick any two of those four and, and play them. Uh, well, I think I think the thing that that is not realised is this is my belief, and I, I, I base this on what I I've, I saw going years back, and nothing that's been said is that four years ago they committed themselves to a game plan that re- uh, revolved around Sonny Bill Williams at twelve with. With Bowden Barrett looping around him, right at high speed. So you had a somebody with a very very high top end speed playing at first five, which is not common, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually quite rare. Who could? Um, so you could you could have Sunny Bill with multiple runners coming from different directions, including the first five looping around, so that for the for the defense, that would then cause all sorts of headaches, right? So they committed to that some time back. And then when Damien McKenzie made his his presence felt on on both the super rugby and international level, and again with a quite a high top end speed as well, that prevent that presented another playmaker who could loop around and provide that sort of offload option for Sunny Bill. So I think whatever happens, the plan is fully fit. They are absolutely going to start Sunny Bill. And then it just becomes a question, which one of the two young athletes are they going to go with outside of him? So are they going to go with uh, uh, who we thought um, was going to be up until a little while ago? That's Mr. Mullet. <laughs> So are they going to go with Mr. Mullet or uh, after his tremendous performance, and I think he really is a wonderful footballer, are they going to go with Anton Leonard Brown? And over the next four years, I think you're going to see a duel um, because three into two won't go between La Marpe, Mr. Mullet and Anton Leonard Brown for the the all-black midfield. Yep. Yeah, very true. Um, any, any other comments on the midfield, Michael, or should I move to the back three? No, I, I think it's it's the right decision. Um, you know, the only the only thing that worries me is is the composure on uh, on Leonard Brown and um, uh, Good Hughes' part, but. Um, but yeah, I think Lamapi is is a wee bit too one dimensional, and he ha- he has improved. There's no doubt um, that he really has been on the up. But um, yeah, maybe a wee bit late in some aspects. Sonny Bill Williams, uh, hey, if he's finished going to the World Cup, um, you know, just purely for what he does behind the scenes as much as anything else. Yep. So moving on to that back three then, Ben Smith, Rico Wani, Geordie Barrett, uh, George Bridge and Sebu Reese. 
Now, looking at that crowd, um, George Bridge, three caps. Severin Reese, two. And this is where you really have got some. Um, and there were some comments that, yeah, that, that hungry wingers are great wingers. And boy, there are some hungry wingers there <laughs> in those two, um, for sure. Uh, the uh, Rico Wani, um, Stephen Harris said Rico Wani is the bolter um, <laughs> in a, a kind of tongue in cheek. But has Rico got a bit lucky to get in, in, in maybe in this um, in this side? No, not at all. It's just having a it's having a, a rough patch, like Ben Smithers, like Owen Frank's. Come on, now what about what he's done the years prior? Yeah, but Owen Frank's missed out. Be in the team. <laughs> yeah, well I know, but what I'm saying is you can't ignore what the player's done prior. Rico's been fantastic the last two or three years. And also what's important as opposed to Owen Frank's is what Michael pointed out here and, and some credit to my housemate who pointed this out, is that he was brilliant this season up until the enforced all-black break. Yep. And after that enforced all-black break, he hasn't been the same, but he was playing tremendous rugby um, in an underwhelming Auckland Blues team, he was terrific. So it's not as if his greatest performance were performances were last season. He actually was quite good. So I think he he was always going to be uh, he was always going to be in this in the squad. It's just remarkable to me what is what has happened to the All Black wing stocks because it seems only a few years ago where. You know, you were like, which one do we leave behind? And at the moment, it just seems to be a dearth of options for the All Blacks at wing, which just we would never have thought that would have happened just a few uh, just a few years ago. No, exactly. And it's, it's amazing to see how players like, particularly Wazaki Naholo, has, has, has gone backwards uh, in, in, in that kind of space. Um, the... And it's it's Severin Reese. Let's be honest. Um, made his Myosin Cup debut last year. I think uh, his 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 rise has been has has, has been extremely quick. Uh, George Bridge, we've seen come. Uh, it's, it's been a little bit more flag, uh, sort of uh, signposted that he's coming through. Um, but it's amazing those two guys coming through. Um, I remember we we, we, we tell you something say something that if Seville Reese starts a game against one of the top teams when I say the top teams I mean one of the teams that has a halfback pairing that are excellent when it comes to tactical kicking it's going to be like uh, the Battle of Britain he just be ready the Luftwaffe is going to be bombing him again and again and again they are going to go for him with the aerial kicking and uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a test, right? And, and that's what really worries me about this. I, I mean, preface what I'm about to say with the reality is who who else is there? Who else could they have taken? I don't I don't know, but I wouldn't have taken Reese. Uh, I mean, sure he's had a good rise, but it's very it flash in the pan, especially on offense. Defense, he's good, but. Under that high ball in a World Cup playoff? Oh, man, makes me nervous. Very nervous. And again, defensively he's improving, but his technique is still questionable. What if he gets sent off in the first half? Yes, he is someone that that has a tendency to use a shoulder, as we've talked about before. Um, He's got better, I think. But, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see. Yeah, when we've seen him play in the test matches, he hasn't been tested under that high ball, has he? Really. Uh, and, yeah. and when, I remember in one of the tests, you could see that whoever was playing, I've gone blank now as to who was playing fullback, but they came over and basically covered that for him and, and they moved him elsewhere to avoid getting those bombs. Um, so we'll see how, yeah, how they juggle that. And, and again, I think the original plan, though, was, you know, let's just say McKenzie was fit. Um, you, you know, potentially McKenzie at, at 15, Ben Smith at 14, Barrett at 10. Um, 
yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Ben Smith on the wing any day over, over Severus. I'm, I'm sorry, I know a lot of people are doubting Ben Smith right now, but um, Severus, we have not seen him under much pressure yet. And um, it's a bit hard to tell if he's the real deal until until that happens. And we might see that against South Africa. Now, as you say, Ben Smith getting a lot of flack, particularly in the chat here tonight. Um but let's look at let's look at those 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 five players I got there. Ben Smith, lots of experience. Riku Wani, yep. some experience um, over two years from the British and Irish Lions that he started. Geordie Barrett, not, yeah, again started in the British and Irish Lions, but has been in and out of the side. George Bruce Severis, zero experience. If you were to drop Ben Smith. You'd be talking about a back three with very, very, very little experience. You need him there for that. Absolutely. Why the hate to Ben Smith, guys? Like, like honestly, what's he done? Can someone tell me what this guy has supposedly done wrong? I don't get it. I agree with you, Mike. What? What, he has a couple of bad performances and suddenly we're forgetting... Five, six years of service. Well, on that point, for me, from the period 2012 through to 20, let's say, 17, those six seasons, Ben Smith was the best uh, rugby player in the world. For me, it's not even a question. And the only reason why he didn't win World Rugby Player of the Year is because the All Blacks kept on shifting him either to right wing or on the particular year that I thought he should have won World Rugby Player of the Year, he was shifted to uh, to centre yeah, on an end cover, of year tour. Yeah, because, the, um, oh, because Comrade Smith um, had a sabbatical. <laughs> That's right. And, um, and I think in that year, Kieran Reid or Brodie Retallick won Rugby Player of the Year because he was playing out of position, where actually I thought he was far and away the most outstanding uh, All Black. But because he played the last four tests of the year in his, out of position, um, he didn't get it. And so he's also a multiple World Rugby Player of the Year nominee, but he keeps on playing Super Rugby in his actual position and then coming into the All Blacks and playing out of position. So I saw the stats the other day. He has played, he has started more games at right wing than he has at fullback for the All Blacks. Right? So... Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's just uh, ludicrous. So uh, I think uh, Ben Smith may be the smartest footballer um, that New Zealand has, right, um, when it comes to the squad. He, he makes the right decisions. He reads the game incredibly well. And for me, if um, and I'm not a conservative selector, I, I believe in, in, in attacking as, as the best, a way of winning a game but for me if the World Cup final was on Saturday I would be playing um, Ben Smith at fullback no question in the yeah. figures as well it seems to be lost on a lot of people Ben Smith you know how, how long ago did he do his hamstring uh, uh, what two months ago maybe um, he, he came back in the rugby championship and he yeah obviously he was rusty and guess what there's every chance that Brody Retallant, the big saviour, is going to come back in the World Cup and be rusty too. Yeah. I, I mean, come on, guys. Like, if, if we take Ben Smith out, who do we have? Paul's exactly right. And then if we lose the World Cup, oh, well, we always bender. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Yep. Now, Look, there's, no question, there's no question. If the, if those two wings start, George Bridge and Severis, and I'm planning what we're going to do to play against the All Blacks. That's where I'm attacking. No question. I'm attacking both aerially and I'm attacking, I'm creating, I'm, a, I'm, I'm presenting them with strange options and, and shifting patterns on defense. And I'm, and I'm trying to pull them into the defensive line and not allow them to constantly be falling back, which is, the, you know, the All Blacks do that shifting pattern where the where the outside winger falls back right and then shifts forward when when they see 
uh, um, do you know that that pattern that I'm talking about, where the 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 outside wing falls back for the kick, then as he sees there's a commitment to to the uh, this is on defence, and then as he sees the opposition's committing to attack, then he shifts forward, right? And I would be creating all sorts of new looks for them and running at them and making them making them make decisions. That's when it where, comes if, to defense. If you have a if you have a kicker in that thirteen if, in that thirteen jersey, that's where where you can really make a, a, a cause some cause them some problems because it gets to him. Is he going to kick? Is he are they going to play? You've got to come up assuming they're going to play, and the ball just goes straight back in behind you every time. And yeah, if you can get a, so if you've got a kicker in that thirteen jersey, that's that that cause them both. Yeah, lots and lots of problems. I uh, I would There's, I would just. Final final comment from me on this. I, w- I would ask everybody who is on the bandwagon to get rid of Ben Smith. If you're going to get rid of Ben Smith, are you going to get rid of Kieran Reid? And are you going to get rid of Dan Coles? Kieran Reid was terrible last year and the year before. And uh, Dan Coles was out for how long with, with a head knock? And when he came back, he was relatively rusty as well. So why don't we just drop them from the side too? I think it's it well, so, 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 on, on calls it was. Comment. I think it was a leg rather than head knock. Um, he had a he had a leg problem. Anyway, does no, he had a concussion for a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would make one, one addition to that. Do you remember um, the the bad loss in Perth? Do you remember Karevi running over Bowden Barrett like he was a speed bump on his way to the trial line? Or Right on his way to creating the try, right? And and let me ask you this: front on at fullback, do you think he's running over Ben Smith? No. no. Oh, but you see, but what people will say is, oh, that try only happened because there was a neck roll. No, no, Ben Smith didn't make the tackle. Sorry, Ben um, Smith didn't, didn't, make, throw, didn't make the tackle. Sorry, um, what's his name? Um, yeah. uh, Barrett. Barrett. Love you guys. <laughs> Right. Um, lots of chat. We're running out of time. Um, but guys, also from the chat, I think, yeah, I mean, David Davili is another guy who's definitely has, um, has been unlucky not to, not, not to feature at some point this season uh, in, in the All Blacks. But one of the things to remember is, uh, one of the things that Hanson says is like, look, we've generally not dropped people because they're not good. We've generally dropped people because there's someone else who is that little bit better. There are some really good players who have not made it. Um, and yes, Havili's part of that. Lamapi's part of that. Hemapo is part of that. All um, all these players we've been talked that uh, that have been talked about. They're very very good players. It's just been unlucky uh, that there's someone who's a little bit better that fits the game plan or fits the needs of the All Blacks, um, and that's and, and and that's why they're in. Um, <laughs> drop Reed, drop Crossy, Smith. Happy days. No 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 guys. That's, you've, if this was okay, I guess one of the big differences here is selecting a squad now for the Rugby World Cup and selecting a squad in six months' time for the beginning of the four-year cycle is entirely different. If you're selecting this squad in six months' time, yes, Crotty, Reed, Smith, they go. Even if they stick around and try and send the All Blacks, they go. But you don't do it now, especially when you've got five players in this squad with less than five caps each already. Yes, and I'm with you 100%. And, and you know what? Just a bit of perspective. Um, you might not think so, but I'm old enough to remember previous squads. I'm old enough to, to remember when, um, when a squad selection had huge controversy, right? Um, and here we 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 arguing over which one of the third or the fourth choice for a particular position is the right one, and we and we all this contention. I remember days when when uh, you know um, people like like Buck Shelford were were left out, right? Or or multiple Springbok captains like Gary Tashman, um, for instance, was left out, right? Um, I remember days when when uh, there was major contention around what we've got here. Let's get some perspective. Is we've got a team that has a winning percentage of close to ninety, or is it ninety percent of the last ten years? Right. That has had consistency of selection, has had a clear plan, 
uh, has had good leadership, and really, these are not big issues. Yeah. Agree. Very good point. And on that note, I would like to say thank you very much, John, for joining me uh, yet again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you very much, Michael Pullman. Um, so check out Michael Pullman's um, podcast. It's called The Accidental Offside. Uh, also, you might have been reading his stuff in the New Zealand Herald recently. Um, so, uh, yep, uh, check out um, Michael's uh, writing and his um, uh, podcast. I will be back uh, over this weekend. Well, next show on here, next live show on here will be live post-match reaction to Wales versus Ireland at some ungodly hour in the morning. Um, and then we'll be back next week with the Mighty Ten Cup show on Monday, Hash Rugby Chat on Tuesday, and the All Blacks edition next Wednesday. Um, so keep your eyes out for all of that. Um, thank you very much who's everyone who's joined us in the live chat. And thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.